Hello, everyone. Hello. You are listening to Free Association, the podcast. I'm Lacey. And I'm Haley. And we have a special guest today. Again. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? My name is Imani. Tuning in from Delaware, so on the East Coast for you all, Ohioans. But I'm originally from Ohio, so. <laughs> Are you like a different time zone? Like, is it a different time there? No, no, no. We're still on Eastern Standard Time. Okay. No, I would yeah, be I struggling. Yeah. <laughs> you said you're from Delaware. I was like, uh oh, what time is it for no. her? <laughs> no, still Eastern Standard Time. Okay. <laughs> I try to think if I have, I have like some friends who live on the West Coast, but I don't have. I guess Hillary, who was our guest, what, three episodes Two. ago? Something. Uh-huh. She's like an hour behind, but otherwise we don't really have that issue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we missed last week. We were supposed to uh, put an episode out last week. Nobody mm-hmm. messaged me out of our, you know, four listeners. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, I wanted to say the reason that we didn't put it out was because I was studying for my LPCC exam, and I freaking passed it. Oh, and I am so relieved. <laughs> you guys. If, we, if we did sound effects, we could add like the... Oh, um, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Every time we need a sound effect, I just record myself like dubbing over whatever we <laughs> Like when Corey said where we lived, I was like, beep, beep. <laughs> That's how it gets me over here at Free Association. So. That is how it gets. And if you want to find Imani, you're going to have to drive all the three hours yeah. to Delaware. So don't even fucking try to do it because it's not going to work. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we're so happy to have you, Imani. Can oh, you tell so us um, how you're connected to Lacey? So Lacey and I actually used to work together. We both were working at a domestic violence shelter. I think we were we interns uh-huh. or not interns. Were we volunteers first and then we got hired there? I forget. I think so, but I have a question because I was trying to figure out where we knew each other, and I think we were volunteers because we used to like volunteer for the kids, like yeah, we used to watch them or yeah. something. It was yeah, something when, like, the before women had... that. But were you a part of the juniorettes? No, no. Damn it. I really thought that I had my finger on it. I was like, what? but maybe that was it. Maybe we just knew each other from volunteering, but I feel like no, I knew was. you yeah, I feel like I knew you before, some, before working there, but yes. I can't remember what it would be. I, oh, the only thing I could think of was the juniorettes, and that was like this volunteer league that like mm-hmm. I did in high school oh. to get like enough okay. hours for national art society or whatever was a big fucking deal back then but um yeah i really thought that that was it i was like that's it but i guess that was not it i know did you guys go to live in the same town growing up or go to the same high school or no we 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 didn't go to the same high school that wasn't no okay but it's so similar yeah we lived in the same area maybe we did some other i don't know (laughs) i'm getting old i can't remember things i know but i'm like I don't even remember volunteering for the DV shelter for that long. Like, I think it was maybe, like, one summer or something. Maybe. And then we worked together for a summer, but I feel like I knew you so much longer. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so, anyway, we don't know how we know each other. <laughs> we just know we know each other. <laughs> yes. But we did work for, um, we worked for the DV shelter when we were, like, 
in high school or maybe it was college. I don't remember. Um, we volunteered. It was a summer in college because I couldn't get an internship. And so I was like, I'll just volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> and we like watched the kids while the women were in some therapy group. And then mm-hmm. we started working with the same place but after different. we, after I graduated from grad school I'm fairly Ooh. certain. No, maybe it wasn't. No, it was no, from you college. didn't graduate. Yeah, it was college. It was from college. And we mm. worked and we were, uh, like, s- supervisors of supervised visits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You supervised visits. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm questioning because I'm like, we didn't really get any training. No, we um, didn't. They were just like, you volunteered here, so you obviously qualified to do this deep well, well, I remember so getting hard. yelled at for, for okay, oh, so we had like the nicest boss ever. She didn't yeah, actually she was yell so at me. Nice. But she, and all I remember is that she got gestational diabetes from eating too much pineapple. I don't know why I remember this about her, but I remember she was like, we were driving one time. I don't know why I was driving. Whatever. And she was like, yeah, I like had my kid and I got gestational diabetes because all I could eat was pineapple. And I was like, damn, Oh, my girl, gosh. Yeah. Also, how do you... I don't know that they can even determine that it's from something specific. Like, because Dana, my sister, just had her baby. Like, she developed gestational diabetes, but, like, she wasn't craving sweets during her pregnancy. So I don't think they can be like, it was this one thing you ate. Angela told me it was because of the pineapple, so I don't know. Um, But I remember she had to call me in her office once. Because I was, like, for some reason, senior year of college, I was, like, I'm into fashion now. Oh. And so I would, like, dress. Like, I literally thought that if I wore, like, a skirt, it meant that I was, like, dressed up. Which mm. I look back and I'm so fucking embarrassed because I wore Aww. ridiculous things no, to my internship my senior cute. year. Yeah, I look cute, but not for work. <laughs> um, and I remember her calling me into her office and being like, so your clothes. <laughs> She's like, I just don't think that they're appropriate. Oh. For work, because they weren't, like, work clothes. It was just, like, I'm wearing a skirt, which means I am dressed. No, that's not, that's not true. And then I remember us getting yelled at because we were on our phones, even though they said that we could be on our phones. Remember? Because someone was on their phone too much, and it was all they did. They didn't even look up to look at the child. Yeah. I do remember that. Oh, my God. And then, um... There was like, oh, this kid full ass peed his pants on top of a table. He was playing with his dad and he just pisses himself. He's like three years old, pees himself on top of this table. I had to clean up the table. The dad had to like take him into the bathroom, but like they weren't allowed to be in the bathroom by themselves because it was a supervised yeah. visit. So I was like, let's leave the door open. It was a little poor little kid with his wee wee. Oh, like, oh. thing. <laughs> that job was ridiculous. Yeah. We only did it, I only did it for three months and I'm like, wow. What's going on here? <laughs> it seems oh like forever. God. Were you there longer than that? I think I was because you got into graduate school before I did. So you had okay. left. Um, okay. And then shortly after, I think it was, like, maybe a few months after, then I got into grad school, and then I ended up leaving. But I wonder if that program's, like, even still running. I don't know. Because I know know. she left. She's not there anymore. She had another kid. I remember she had, like... Ooh, I'm looking it up. 
they are still on Facebook. Whatever. Okay, Imani, <laughs> this is a good segue. Tell us how you became a therapist and like what was your what was your trajectory? Of course, I'd be happy to. So I get or like a therapist or going into sex therapy or both. all of it. All of it. Okay. Whatever you want to share. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So honestly, when I went to graduate school, I originally applied for the PsyD program and I was rejected. So they recommended me to the social work program. And so I was like, oh, oh I don't know about the social work stuff. Because um, my perception of social work was solely case management. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't like that. That was mine too. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't like that. <laughs> but then I did some research and I'm like, wow, like social work does so much stuff. And then it's like a, it's like a more holistic, like you're looking at the person, the environment. Like it's just so much... It aligned with my personal values a lot more than actually the society program did. So I was like, okay, okay, I'll apply. And so I originally went to graduate school first for the sex therapy program. But you can't be part of their clinical program if you're not already either a clinician or studying to be one. So then I had to apply to okay. the social work program. So I ended up doing them both together for their dual program damn <laughs> yeah gosh. it was intense oh my gosh i was like i'm never going back to school ever again <laughs> i'm traumatized <laughs> from the stress <laughs> i bet yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> but that's kind of my i guess trajectory on how i got into like actual social work or like being a clinical social worker um mm-hmm. but I feel like I've just always kind of been floating and just trying to figure out like I knew I wanted to be do something that would be helpful and so I just yeah. kind of ended up on this path <laughs> so yeah. I love it I would never go back to being anything other than a social worker because social workers oh. are awesome <laughs> sorry. Are. Or, sorry, hey like... listen <laughs> I'm cool too <laughs> I only know how to do therapy, and I freaking hate case management, but listen, I'm cool as well. So so what made you want to do the sex therapy thing? Because I feel like people, so even me, have misconceptions about what sex therapy actually is. I feel like what I, what I think of when I think of sex therapy is just, like, couples who have issues sexually and you go in and you figure out you know if those issues are biological or if they're um you know psychological or how they're manifesting but I know that you know you also do individual work with people who have their own issues and um so how did you learn about it and what made you become that yeah sure so in undergrad I actually minored in sexuality studies but that program <laughs> it was more like a woman studies program, honestly, with like a Mine little dabble. Sexuality yeah, studies. that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> but I took gay theater, and it was one of oh. my favorite classes. <laughs> this sounds so exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was my first introduction to like the sexuality world. But that program mm-hmm. like focused on all sexuality. So we were looking at like animal mating behaviors and like humans and all of Ooh. that. Um, so it's like really interesting but I was like I don't want to really learn about it <laughs> I feel like why do I, why am I watching what? these hippos fucking yeah I, don't need I was to like know yeah, this. this isn't for me <laughs> <laughs> but I was like oh it'd be 
a sex therapist would actually be great. So I went on a good old Google and I found mm-hmm. Widener University that has all of your therapeutic needs. <laughs> is that what their, their slogan yes. is? Widener University. Therapy. We have all your therapeutic needs. Our But yeah, so that's how I got connected with that program. It's like, oh, wow, this actually focuses on human sexuality, which is what Mm -hmm. I'd be more interested in and looking at all aspects of sexuality. So that's how I got into that or found out about that program. And then when I found out about the dual degree program, because you could do the PsyD and the human sexuality together. So that was my original plan. Um, And then when I didn't get into the society program, I was like, oh, no. But then I got into social work, so did those two together. So that was kind of like my intro to actually getting into the sex therapy program or the human sexuality program. Mm -hmm. But, yes. Sorry, my brain. I don't know if I fully answered that question completely. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Definitely (laughs) does. Haley, I wonder, do you have any, um, like, blanket thoughts about sex therapy or I think like similar to what you had said that um definitely like the misconception that it's like a couple's typically a couple's approach and I think um the only thing that more recently made me think about it being like having the opportunity to have individuals come um I was listening to a a podcast um and um one of the callers or yeah callers like called in and had a question about um basically recovering from um sexual trauma Mm -hmm. and um like feeling emotional well yeah I think she said like she felt emotionally ready to like date and be sexually active again Mm -hmm. but then like just felt herself um experiencing a lot of like anxiety and stress when it would get to that point in the date or whatever where things were starting to um move towards um having sex and things like that Mm -hmm. so then I kind of thought like yeah oh my goodness like a sex therapist would be perfect for someone that has experienced that kind of trauma and feels ready to want to be sexually active again but then when they get to that point they're having like a physical reaction that you know at times it feels kind of out of their control so um that was probably the most recent thing that I thought, like, oh, okay, yeah, it definitely makes sense that individuals would also yeah. want to go um, to sex therapy. Yeah. So I'm interested to hear more because I know you mentioned that your current position, um, you're also working within the domestic violence realm. So I'm wondering if that comes up for you in your work, you know, if you're working with individuals. Yeah, absolutely. The um, So I'm a trauma therapist at a domestic violence shelter. So um, unfortunately, usually a lot of women who have experienced domestic violence also have a history of sexual mm-hmm. assault. So that definitely comes up um, more mm-hmm. often times than not. Um, yeah. But yeah, sexuality, I think the sex therapy, because it's, it's so multifaceted and it doesn't um I guess it can be very broad so people try to narrow it and I think when they do they just think of like oh this is for couples um Mm -hmm. and you know even the the program that I was in it was like very relationship based so a lot of our Mm -hmm. interventions and things that we were learning for using sex therapy was based off of like people and relationships but they were looking at Mm -hmm. all types of relationships so you have people that maybe are monogamous or people that are like poly Mm -hmm. or you know have open Mm -hmm. relationships things like that Um, But I do think working with the individuals is extremely important (laughs) because, you know, you're an individual before you 
go into a relationship anyway. So it's like right. if you're Absolutely. having those issues, yeah, I guess issues individually, like, of course you would need someone mm-hmm. else to support you before you, you know, go into a partnership with someone. Um, yeah. yeah. I wonder, too, for couples, like, if there's instances where a sex therapist might actually, like, have that initial couple session, but then say, like, you know, I'd actually like to do some individual sessions with each of you. I think that that, I mean, I would assume that there's instances that that might come up and it might be more helpful. Like you said, for someone to be able to do that personal work mm-hmm. um, and recognize the things that they're bringing into the relationship that might be contributing to, like, whatever difficulties they're having. Um, and also just thinking about, like, how... Because some of the difficulties, like, I've had within my sexual experience, um, I think when I really take a look at them, I can also connect them to, like, just my overall mental health mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. And I yes. think that there's a misconception that people that go to sex therapy are just like, oh, they can't orgasm. Oh. Like, I need to go to sex therapy. <laughs> or, like, you know, I can't get enough. I need to go to sex therapy. Whatever it is. Or I have a little sex drive. But, like, for me, something that's sometimes hard is, like, um, being able to ask for what I want mm-hmm. like during mm-hmm. sex I have a hard time like verbalizing what mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. um and then I think about like oh sometimes in general I have a hard time <laughs> verbalizing what I need like just in life or in my yeah. job or you know mm-hmm. just different relationships so um it's cool to think that you have all of this experience that allows you to provide that really focused work but also be able to step back and look at the whole person and be like okay so what about you know, your experience growing up or past sexual experiences might be contributing to, like, what's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I love that you brought that up because now I'm like, what, like, what mental health stuff of mine? Like, you know, (laughs) and I think that I had, sorry, relatives, if you listen, I had a difficult time um, achieving (laughs) orgasm for, like, all of my relationships except for my current one. Mm. And... I look back and I'm like, well, it's a control thing. Like, I don't think that I was ever able to let go control of Mm. my body enough to let it do what it biologically wants to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, with OCD, I think that that's oftentimes um, an issue that I have with my own brain where Mm -hmm. I always need to control it. And sometimes that control uh, manifests in a negative way Mm -hmm. and in like a compulsion or a thought obsession or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. and I definitely think that that had to do a lot with, with, uh, how I was sexually. And mm-hmm. if it reminds me of a paper that I wrote in grad school, cause I wrote a paper on female sexual dysfunction, mm-hmm. um, or no, it was female sexual interest arousal disorder. Mm-hmm. That's what it was because okay. it, I thought for a long time that I was demisexual, which is like a, a branch of asexuality, which means that oh, yeah. you don't feel sexual attraction towards someone unless you know them Mm. unless you have that emotional relationship already and people whenever I would explain that and express it would say like well of course you don't want to like fuck people that you don't know and I'm like no it's different it's like (laughs) everyone who walks around is a potato (laughs) male man woman you know, feminine, masculine, presenting, trans, whatever. They're just a person until I get to know them. And then I start having those feelings. Mm. And so it was, (laughs) it was really hard to explain. And also I think it is this pathologizing of sexual feelings Mm. into, well, if, you know, 
I don't feel the way that it's perceived that everybody else feels sexually, then there must be something wrong with me. Mm. And I think, you know, I, I don't know if, I don't identify as demisexual anymore, but mm-hmm. uh, I, and I resented, I must say at the time, that it fell into the female sexual uh, interest arousal disorder mm. spectrum, because I didn't feel mm-hmm. like it was a disorder. I really thought that it was, you know, to me, a sexuality. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But that just it just reminds me of like the pathologizing if you think anything is abnormal about you uh Mm -hmm. in the bedroom or wherever you decide to do it (laughs) consensually yes consensually consensually legally we don't want you to get on the sex offender industry for you know right yeah that would suck if you were just like Fucking in like a like changing a room or something, yeah. and they were like, oh, "You're yeah. a sexual predator for the rest of your life, and your paper has to go I on know. those little flyers and shit." Oh, oh god! And then every time you move, <laughs> your neighbors are gonna get that notification. Yes, Lacey's a sexual offender, and I'm like, all I did was like pee in public. I don't yeah, know. it's ridiculous. I, I didn't do that. Yeah. Anyway. What are your thoughts about the pathologizing of sex? I think, uh, not to get like too deep in the <clears throat> to a different topic, but I'm thinking about that recent recent shooting that happened. I wanted to ask you about this, and I thought about it after yeah. we sent your like original <laughs> questions, and I was like, "Oh crap, I forgot." Oh. What happened? <laughs> what happened? I don't know what happened. Um. Oh, oh sorry. You probably explain oh. it better than me because I've the, only been the... getting that information from Instagram. So, I mean, honestly, oh, same. Are you talking about the sex workers, like the at the spa? Yeah, I don't think that were they sex workers. I think they were like no, they weren't. I apologize. That was actually me being racist. Um, no, it was a uh, it was spas. Yeah, and the inappropriate sexualization of Asian women. Yeah, and yeah. him, you know, being obsessed with them and. So he claimed his. He yeah. basically like said that he was he had a sex addiction yeah. and that caused him yes. to need to murder yeah. people. Really, so. like, just kidding. You're an angry white man who feels rejected. Yes, injected, exactly. And it has nothing uh, to do. inappropriately sexualizes Asian women yeah. um, who were not sex workers. And if they were, who the fuck cares? I apologize so for saying that. <laughs> anyway, um, Imani, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I was just again thinking about like the. I think sexual uh, the sex addiction topic is like really controversial anyway, and I think it's not even mm-hmm. identical because it really does stigmatize um, sex, and it's like, well, who determines like what is an actual what shows like the addictive behavior that is addiction? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be stigmatizing if you have your own personal biases and like, what you have sex every day? Well, you obviously have a sex. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. I only have sex twice a week, so that's normal, uh-huh. like quote unquote normal. Yeah. So I think that a lot of the pathologizing or the stigmatizing of sex comes from people's own innate biases, which are kind of like shaped mm-hmm. like maybe how you grew up or like how you were taught about uh-huh. sex or like you know your own personal yeah. perceptions of sex and sexuality, which I feel like hugely influences. Um, or like you were saying, like pathologizing the people's perception of sexuality and like what that actually is or means. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's kind mm-hmm. of like my more opinion on where like all of the stigma comes from. And of course, yeah. like patriarchy and we live mm-hmm. in America. 
Yep. <laughs> answer that answers everything. Just say United yes. States of America. It's like yes. there you go. <laughs> That's a complete yes. Answer. Period. <laughs> period. At the end. USA dot. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I know too. Or correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I understood, like sex addiction is not even in like it's, it's not, not a diagnosis. No, they took it that away. That can be made. I yeah, think they switched so, it. I didn't even know it was in the first place. Yeah, it was, I think it was taken out with the last DSM. Oh, yeah, yeah. That it was removed, which obviously it doesn't mean that those people just don't have difficulties anymore. Right, absolutely. But it, they're just maybe they determined that it's not a true addiction, and there might be. But I do think of like trying to understand more, like and not in like support of adults that are sexualized by children, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. there's some. They have compulsions yeah. of a certain kind yeah. for yes. children, or they're turned on when they see children, or yeah. you know, obviously something ah. is going on there right. yeah. that's right. like Absolutely. you know yeah. maybe not addiction based, but something's happening that's causing them to have that reaction. Yeah. yeah. Um. So working with the addicted population, like I do now, um, mm-hmm. I have seen so many parallels, and I addiction also runs in my family. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. I don't know how deep because my family is very secretive, but (laughs) I know that uh, we have addicts in the family and in my close family as well. Um, And I recently realized that I think that my OCD comes from the addiction. Like Mm. it came from, Mm. because I really do think that those two disorders are so Mm. intertwined. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that the brain almost works the same way. Obviously, with addiction, it changes your brain chemically uh, faster Mm -hmm. than OCD can change your brain. Uh, But it it almost makes me feel like, makes me think, I'm trying to say feel like less because I know that (laughs) I don't, it's not a feeling what I'm about to say. Um, But it makes me think that sex addiction is that compulsion. Like, it's not a want for sex Mm -hmm. and it's not something that other people can tell you that you have like Imani said you know you have sex once a day you must have a sex addiction Mm -hmm. uh but it's always as with OCD sometimes with addiction something that you don't necessarily want to do that Mm -hmm. takes up a lot of your time because it's a compulsion Mm -hmm. and so I wonder because I thought that about like pedophiles too or Mm -hmm. Um, even pedophiles who don't engage in sex offending, like who don't abuse Mm -hmm. anyone, um, Mm -hmm. what, what is the morality surrounding, uh, hating them because nobody Mm -hmm. likes a pedophile. Nobody's like, oh, you know, my best friend's a pedophile (laughs) and he's like cool because he doesn't hurt anyone. It's like, no, bitch, I don't want to hear about that shit. Like, like, even just thinking about that child that way, you're violating them, but it's just interesting to me like the morality surrounding judging others whether we're judging it clinically or judging it otherwise sexual preferences yeah that was a very long aside i don't even know if it made any sense <laughs> welcome to our hey. <laughs> hey everybody it's episode like 37 I wonder how many we have. I don't know. But you should know this by now. Start at the beginning. We were more put together back then. I like the free space. Yes. Thank you. That's why it's called free association. Yeah. Um, So have you ever done the couple's work, Imani, or have you mostly just done with your trauma work, um, the individual work? 
I have not. I haven't actually worked with any like couples or people in relationships. Mine's mostly okay. been individual. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to eventually branch into that, but part of me is also scared. <laughs> I literally never wanted to do couples. I know, like, I was like, oh my god, two people. Oh, I remember, yes, I'm like, I could barely handle one person. Are you kidding me? I never want to try to focus on two. I, know. And I remember in grad school, they were like telling us, like, in couples therapy, how important it is to, like, not take sides. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely taking sides. Like, I'm alienate the crap out of one of those people. Yeah, that's what my couples therapist did. She fucking sucked. Oh, no. <laughs> like you two are ganging up on me and she would be like she would just look at me and I'd be like aren't you supposed to turn this into something a learning opportunity like what are you doing yeah yeah I feel like a lot of people have that that. experience though Mm because some of my um Mm -hmm. clients they've gone to couples therapy and they're like well I feel like the therapist didn't support me they were more on the side Mm -hmm. of the you know the person who's the abuser and I'm like Apparently, maybe oh, now gosh. that that's your experience, it sounds like it's just a pattern with yeah. relationship therapy. I just think that would be so hard to stay be, neutral. Because yeah. even when I work with individuals, like, and I'm, you know, they're having, like, a hard time, I think it helps me. I mean, I also try to encourage them to see the perspective of, like, either the adult or the kid that they're having a hard time sure. with. But mm-hmm. I'm also very much aligned with my client a lot of times, mm-hmm. so... I feel like it would be hard to manage the alignment of both people, yeah. especially if they're experiencing a lot of conflict with each yeah, other. Right? Yeah. Like, I think yeah. I have a different perspective because I do so many groups mm. that oftentimes, uh-huh. and, you know, there have been conflicts in the group where I can see a pattern of uh, scapegoating behavior with one of the dudes and, like, the uh-huh. other dude is, you know, always the victim of it. And so, obviously, uh-huh. I'm going to take the scapegoatee. <laughs> side uh-huh. um but I feel like it's easier to see all of the sides because I have now a, such a strong background in group therapy because mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. that all the time but it mm-hmm. you're right it's different especially when an abuser is so good at manipulating yes. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it sounds like what they yeah. do in the the relationship or couples therapy or marriage therapy whatever they're they're doing um, right and it's never on the side of, like, the, the victim or the survivor. Like, it's always, they end up leaning on the side of the abuser. Like, oh, terrible. They probably say, you know, the survivor is crazy. Like, she's just crazy. She just, like, yeah. blows things out of proportion. And we we want to believe that that's happening. You know, we want to believe that one person's just overreacting and it's really not that big a deal. But, no, it, it is a big deal. It is deal. a pretty big deal. It's always a big deal. Yeah. And it's, clinician's responsibility to believe the survivor Absolutely. I mean not not to make it more you know dangerous for her and be like you know you're a piece of shit abuser get out of my fucking office but like in your mind I can't see how you can be an effective clinician and not believe the person who is presenting the more painful side of the story yeah absolutely mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah how defeating too for oh my goodness to go to couples therapy being in that position too and then have having a professional side with you yeah. know the abuser that would just be so yeah. hard to i'd be like be such a turn off to go to therapy again. absolutely like, i'm happy that they're trying again because i feel like i would be like oh, it's no. like re-victimizing <laughs> yeah guys sure. <laughs> yeah oh I, my goodness i actually had and this was not 
an experience. It was an experience of working with an abuser and the um, survivor, but it was on the child side. So Mm -hmm. I recently at my job um, ran into randomly a uh, ex-boyfriend of one of my old client's moms who I've done family therapy with Mm -hmm. and who I have called... I don't want to say, you know, I've, I've <laughs> called terms services on him because oh. he, uh, you know, abused my former client mm. and it was just really interesting because I find that I am able to view him as, you know, a, a victim of whatever he's been through and also of his addiction. Mm. Um, but I also was like, I can't treat him. I was like, I'm too, I bring in a bias. It's not fair to him at all. Mm. Um, but it's been interesting because I, and I wonder if you can feel that way when the victim is in front of you as well mm-hmm. of having empathy for the abuser because to be an effective couples therapist, you have to. Yeah. I mean, of mm-hmm. course you want to focus on uh, bodily safety first, mm-hmm. but you have to view this person as a human. Yeah. It's really, I imagine, really hard. Yeah, yeah, that would be really hard. Um and I guess that's why they make us do do all those papers. I don't know if you all had to do them, but I did like ten papers on counter transference and counter transference. Mm. Oh, like mm-hmm. if I have to write one more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, it feels like I should just be able to turn it. Yes, the same after a while, I'm like you're Let getting the same for yourself. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if I did because I feel like in grad school I didn't know myself as well as I know myself now and I don't know if I could have done like countertransference because I would have been like, I don't know what my issues are. (laughs) Like, what is that? I don't understand. (laughs) Um, so one of the questions that we had for you is, is there, was there anything that you learned about in school that you didn't know before about either sexuality or sex in general that you were like what the hell or you were just like really interested in um I think well all things like all things kink related were probably pretty new for me okay yeah Mm -hmm. I hadn't um like I'm not really part of that community so that was all new for me that was Mm -hmm. a big one um and learning about like uh like what do they call I guess plural relationships or like people in poly okay uh not polyamorous polygamy polygamous Mm -hmm. relationships I always get those two words that was new but my favorite thing that I learned that I had never heard about before was skin hunger that was like my favorite thing what is that so skin (laughs) hunger is like your desire to like be touched so how my professor described it it's like some people are pickle jars and some people are pickle tubs so some people only need a little bit of you know a little jar full of skin skin contact or you know whatever Uh and some people are like pickle tubs and they need a whole lot of physical wow. affection. I like that. <laughs> yeah, isn't it oh, cute? I'm that. like, that was my favorite that thing is. I learned. That is cute. Yeah. Yes. Which yeah. one are you, Imani? Are you the pickle jar or the pickle tub? Honestly, I don't I know. I'm, I'm by myself a whole lot, so I probably yeah. am like a pickle jar, but maybe if I got to experience more physical touch, I maybe would become mm-hmm. a pickle tub, so I don't know. Are you? Haley, what are you? I think I'm a pickle tub. Oh, a pickle Especially tub. more so after COVID. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a virtual hug then. Oh. 
How about you, I Lacey? Think I, I'm probably a jar. Oh, really? I do think I'm a jar. Because, I, I, yeah, I love some hugs. <laughs> I love them. But, like, I'm thinking about my relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I do like to cuddle sometimes, but, like, Matt will just come up to me and start, like, touching me, like, in a loving way, you know, but I'm just like, get the fuck off of me. Go away. I just, I, oh, we had, um, we, being in a long-term relationship is interesting because I'm still figuring out things that I do that kind of hurt his feelings and it makes me feel so bad, but recently, like, he's so much taller than me and I have sort of a... I don't know where this comes from, something to talk about in therapy, but when, like, a tall person's, like, even if I perceive that they're looming over me, mm-hmm. I, uh-huh. like, get freaked out, and I'm like, go away, like, get out of my yeah. face, like, and so I <laughs> react like that, and I tell him to, like, go away, or leave me alone, or something, and he's oh. like, that, you know, that really hurts my feelings oh. when you tell me to go away and leave you alone, and, because, you know, obviously I understand, but it hurts my feelings, because you say oh. it in a mean way, and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> At least it's communicating. I, That's good. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We went to like four sessions of a couples therapy, oh. and I wanted to keep going to a different therapist, but then <laughs> the like our line. life got crazy, and I was like, you know what? We're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, I think I'm a pickle jar because oh. I don't need to like cuddle with like people or yeah. my animals really or. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. I just get annoyed. <laughs> yeah. It's like, enough of that. Oh. That's enough. <laughs> no, my cat, my, cat. my other <laughs> cat will lay on my chest, and she'll, like, put her paw, like, around my neck, like, just touching. <laughs> and I'm, yesterday she did it too many times. I'm like, you need to get off of me. <laughs> yeah. Like, please stop. <laughs> my love language is not physical touch. Oh, you. not physical. <laughs> not physical affection. That's okay. That is okay. <laughs> questions i feel like i've just okay. been going through mine <laughs> no you're fine i'm like i gotta pull them up i don't have them as accessible okay um okay well what are some common misconceptions about your work um and then are there any that you would like specifically like to kind of demystify or like you know so obviously we talked about um how we both naturally imagined it as a couple's thing mm-hmm. but in your specific area that you work in, like, that individual work is really, really important. So that's definitely um, important to think about. Um, so we can give you misconceptions. Yeah, I think one of mine was that, like, people go to couples therapy when they can't orgasm, mm-hmm. which is probably not always the reason <laughs> people go to couples therapy. Or, sorry, to sex therapy. Um, let me see. I think the biggest one that people think are that sex therapists are sex workers. And I'm like, those are two very different professions. Yes! Oh my God. I was going to say that I even feel, not sex workers, but I feel like there is a misconception that like all sex therapists are like hypersexual. Yeah, like they're yeah, like really that. like promiscuous and they like know a lot about a sex personally and things like that. Yeah. That's oh the biggest gosh. one that I have gotten. Yeah. And I was like, those are two very different things. And again, not speaking down yes. about sex workers, but I'm like, no. Two very That's different things. Strange. That's different work. <laughs> Completely right. different work. Yeah. <laughs> they Hopefully, work with your okay, body, so I work is... with your mind. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's a really great way to yeah. explain the difference. Um, yeah. So I wonder too, so has that ever happened in a session or that's been something that was like a misconception? This outside, outside. my clients would okay, never. Oh, like, 
Just they have towel. sense. Thank you. Oh, I think that would have to be. Yes. That would, yeah. That would be I think I'd be a little traumatized. It's like, oh, yes. <laughs> and it's like, who do you, who do I resource out to you for that? Like, do I have to go on Google and look up? Oh my God, that's so true. <laughs> you come, they come to you and they're like, well, what do we do? <laughs> And I was like, oh, tell me about your childhood. And they're like, what? That's not, That's not what I came for. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah I, I, yeah, I definitely have had, not recently, but um, there's this one sex uh, therapist that I know. Mm-hmm. And... I, she's like a friend of a friend. I definitely think she's like really hot. And I'm like, she's probably good at it because she's hot. And then I'm like, what the fuck am I thinking? Like, it has nothing to do with that. But yeah, it's like for some reason, it's like massage therapists. Like people always say massage therapists are like sexy. Like I went on a couple dates with a massage therapist once and he's like, yeah, I purposefully don't massage people that I date because it's my job. It's not sexy. It's therapeutic. Like. Come on. And I was like, damn, I have that misconception too. (laughs) But I will tell you, I did have a professor who was a burlesque dancer. So you can be a sex therapist and be pretty sexy too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I went to school with some Um, dominatrix. So I did go to school with some sex workers. So some people do both. um, Yeah. But. I do People are multifaceted. Haley, go ahead. You've been trying to ask a question. (laughs) (laughs) You're fine. Can you think of any, um, because we've talked before about scenarios like in the media or how therapists are portrayed in shows and movies (laughs) that are like very inaccurate. I feel like I know of at least one, and I wish I remember what show it was, but it was this teenage boy and his mom was like a sex therapist. Oh, is that on Netflix? I know what you're talking about. That was so good. I love that show. What is? Oh, I want to watch it. I have to look I it up now. I'm going to be bothered. I watched so many shows on Netflix. I have no idea. It was good. It was I like binge watched the whole good. thing. Yep. Same. Same. I was like, this so is great. I don't great. even know the title. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But I was trying to think of like any other like portrayals of like sex therapists that like. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of, like, freaking porn bits that are like, oh, I'm going to this sex, sex therapist. Yeah. And she's like, yay! <laughs> Actually, I was a sex worker. Please don't put that perception on sex therapists, because that's, yeah. Sorry, I think it was called Sex Education. Is that what it was called? Yes! I yeah, think that was it's like it. a British show. Yeah. It's not even American. Oh, it's yeah. really good. I definitely recommend it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is great! I should yes. watch it. I should watch it. Yes, you're going to binge watch it. Just a warning. But oh, cool. that one was really good. Uh, bondage or bonding or bondage was like another one where she was a dominatrix. That's on Netflix. That one was pretty good too. Wait, I watched that. Yeah, one I was surprised yeah. how good it was. I was like, this is great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so those are two yep. like semi accurate. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, ones that give negative views of sex. Ther- yeah. I forget the movie. We watched it in school, but he was. It was, like, an old movie. It's a really older movie. Okay. But he was, like, sleeping with his clients as part of, like, his therapeutic work. God damn work. it. Work. And I'm, like... Oh, my God. Guys. 
Oh my god. And it like had there- him actually being a really good therapist. Like he unlocked like a lot of trauma stuff what? and I was like, oh, this my is god. not okay, this is unethical. Yes. So many so levels. Many levels. <laughs> is that not like sex abuse? Like yeah, I, manipulating yeah. them at the very least. That's what I feel. I'm like, you should lose your license and never be allowed to and you should be good. Yeah. That person deserves to be on the sex offender register like you're abusing your power as a therapist and you're taking advantage of vulnerable populations shame 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 but yes (laughs) that was one movie where i was like whoa Um, but a lot of people think that when they like if someone were to be like yeah i'm going to go see my sex therapist they might think that like that's a misconception that sex therapists sleep with their clients but i'm like it's in the social work code of ethics that you cannot it's in all code of yes. ethics that you yes <laughs> cannot that was, yes. i remember undergrad i thought it was undergrad or grad school i feel like they um no grad school we used to call we had an ethics class and we used to call it um how to lose your license <laughs> i um, love that oh my god because literally like every class they're like this is how this is another way you can lose your license it's like jesus christ they haven't even gotten it yet what are you telling me all the things i'm gonna fuck up and like oh, oh my god but um i remember like literally one class our professor showed us on the nasw website how you can look up everyone that lost their license because they list their first and last name and they list why they lost no it. way so wait yeah. Oh, do, they, say, yes. do they list say, like, like slept with patient like, or something? They don't they they don't say it like that, but yeah, you know which ones are the ones that slept with. <gasps> oh them. no. I need to look this up <laughs> that right is now. Crazy. I'm N-A-S-W? like, I don't want to Google it too. <laughs> I know. I think it, I don't know if you have to go to the state one or if it's the NASW. I don't remember what site she used, but she was like they not only list like who lost their license or who has license suspended or whatever, but that is the like the reason. Wow. I can't remember the wording. That's like the code word for sex with a client. Oh no! But I just heard me like, okay, thank God I work with kids and never. Have to yeah. About that. But oh my still, gosh. Oh my gosh. Damn. Yeah. Whole class it's like it. another I'm level of the sex offender registry yes, <laughs> for professionals. Seriously. It's like the social work <laughs> yeah. one. But yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just so. Oh well, gosh. Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> but so what's a funny segue that kind of came up when we were talking about that show what are your thoughts on i know this is such a broad uh range but what are your thoughts on how we do sex education in the u.s or like how Ooh. we even like present sex to children and you know teens and things like that i oh for, again usa period like yes <laughs> yes <laughs> Yes. All of the explanation you need, but I, yeah, it's not very. Um, there's a lot that, of course, in America, I don't know what like outside countries maybe do for sex education, but in the United States, mm-hmm. it's it's very limited, honestly, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. it's not a lot of it is pleasure focused, which is a huge part oh. when it comes Ooh. to sexuality and sex education. Is like there's this real extreme lack of even focus on pleasure and a lot of it if you do actually get like comprehensive sex ed and not abstinence only sex ed then it's usually focused on like the procreation piece like this is how you don't mm-hmm. get pregnant or if you yes. do want to get or pregnant. this is how you don't get gonorrhea here's yes, a terrible exactly. picture of gonorrhea yes. here's this awful picture so you'll be scared to ever let's yes. watch this fucking movie from 1980 of this lady giving birth like oh god yeah, so they're pretty, pretty bad. 
Um, it's all like fear based. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. yeah, a lot of it hugely is fear based. So then you have these children with going through puberty and you're having all these hormones and things. You're like, well, I don't really mm-hmm. know what to do with this, but I'm scared I'm going to get, mm-hmm. you know, chlamydia or get pregnant. Right. So. <laughs> Yeah. But then I'm like, and we have a huge yeah. teenage pregnancy rate. So I'm like, clearly the sex education's not it working, working, people. Oh, <laughs> let's list all yes. the things in America that ain't working yes. that we know just don't work. Just one more yeah. thing. And we just keep list. doing it. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that, that attributes to so much, like, shame mm-hmm. and, and fear. Yeah. I truly did not masturbate until I was, like, I don't know. I think an adult... Uh, because I just didn't know what was going on down there, yeah. and I recently um, real I was I follow uh, a lot of sex education accounts on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they always get reported because their graphs are offensive. Oh. Fuck off. Um, but I know. there's one oh, I forget what it's called, but it it always has little infographs about the clitoris and I remember like being a child and looking at my pee pee and like literally I looked at my clit I didn't know what it was Mm. and I would you know I was just like what the hell is this and I was like if I touched it it feels a little funny (laughs) um and I was never like oh it feels you know good I gotta do something about this Mm. but I was like it just feels different Mm. when I touch it and now looking at all these infographs at the age of 28 I'm like (laughs) oh that's That's what I was experiencing as a child (laughs) what the fuck yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's so wild how mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. we teach the kids. Yeah. Haley, were you the one who was saying that um, you listened to something or read something that said when when you or maybe this is a podcast I was listening to. I don't remember. <laughs> um, but when you talk about sex with children or mm. teach children about sex, you shouldn't use like the funny words like yeah. pee. Yes. You Don't said that? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's like a good preventative thing also for like sexual Absolutely. abuse. Yes. Like, for them yeah. to not have like code words for their yeah. private parts that they should know. Like, like they my can no say vagina and penis, right. and that's not a bad word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, then, yeah, obviously, if anything's going on, they can more clearly communicate to mm-hmm. adults what's happening. Yeah. But I, I saw something recently, and I wish I'd knowing this interview is happening i wish i'd like saved it or something but i saw something recently that there's a new study coming out that they um believe that sex education is necessary even as young as kindergarten Mm -hmm. and obviously you're not like (laughs) teaching them like kindergarten but like yeah (laughs) i hope you wouldn't really teach any children that (laughs) let them learn it on tumblr or whatever the current (laughs) tumblr is children are looking at their bodies they're they're wondering what's going yeah. on they're curious right. you know and um you know this happens quite a bit in in um elementary schools in general like you know the boys will show each other their penises mm-hmm. or they touch each other's penises mm-hmm. or something like that and like having to like talk to parent. I mean every parent freaks out which is understandable yeah. you know but like trying to explain to them like a certain level of that is yeah. normal and curiosity happening right. like yeah. and trying to like not wanting them to understand and like be um curious about it and like saying like okay maybe now it's time to have the conversation with your kid because this mm-hmm. event did occur but like I'm not even saying that those incidents need to be prevented but if conversations happened before mm-hmm 
then I think that there would just be, I don't know. I, I just think that there's so much more learning that needs to happen for our young kids when it comes to that kind of right. stuff. And it's it, it's really tough. Um, I even have a family that I've worked with where the young girl has like kind of um, just gotten inter- interested in like touching mm-hmm. herself, and it's really hard for the parent. They're really religious, mm-hmm. and they feel like, no part of that is okay so like while in my work I kind of wanted to start working on with her like what um even just like from an anatomy perspective like why it feels good or why you know just trying to have her have a deeper understanding for her body and um things like that but in that situation the parent wasn't comfortable Mm -hmm. with me doing that so they're like we just need to stop it from happening (laughs) so um we're just kind of exploring like other Mm self-care stuff like I'm kind of trying to frame it as you know that's something that you've learned feels good for your body Mm -hmm. and these are other things we can do right that Mm -hmm. feel good for our bodies and so um but you're right though there's so much shame and like I just think that when we remove the shame that's when we show kids it's okay to talk about it I think parents have this fear that all this bad stuff is happening but it's like yeah it might be happening and they don't have the space to talk about it which is even worse like let's at least remove the shame so that if things do happen they feel like they can talk about you know what's going on or you know right I remember being a small child and I was like with my babysitter's kids and my little brother and we were just like playing the game where it's like let's pull our pants down and just laugh at each other from across the room (laughs) and we were doing it and and I was the oldest and we got in trouble and I remember just like being branded I mean this babysitter horrible fucking person uh I hear that she like you know takes her which this is fine for people who are not horrible, but the, she takes her little cats and puts them in uh, strollers, <laughs> strolls them around the neighborhood and whatever. Um, but I remember she like approached me. I'm like seven years old and she approaches me like I'm a pervert. And I'm like, Aww. how am I a pervert? And, and I didn't know, you know, I yeah. didn't know that like these are six and seven and five year olds just being like what the hell is that like we're yeah we're not you know <laughs> being sexual we're not being but adults we always feel like we have to put our experience onto children mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. so unfair because I used yeah. to have clients who originally came to um therapy because it was a a brother and his little sister and they were just like flashing each other and the parents were like they must be perverts oh, and it's like no. but no <laughs> no they're children they're and they, yeah, they want to see what other people's bodies look like and they want to look at yeah. their body and they, yeah, yeah. Oh and it's it's so often so much more about the parent or the adult's comfort level than it is about the, chi- the child yeah. and the child's mm-hmm. development yeah 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 i think that's definitely a big thing that our education system needs to do is be like who is this actually for is it for the adults or is it for mm. the kids who are learning yeah yeah mm-hmm. absolutely Emani, i have a listener question that was oh, submitted yeah. for you um so she was wondering if you have ever encountered clients who are from different countries or different cultures um specifically people who have experienced uh female genital mutilation Mm -hmm. um or have you learned anything in school that that taught you about how to work with those types of clients Mm -hmm. or what troubles they might experience yeah i 
Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of experience with that. Um, okay. Like, I'm familiar with, like, female genital mutilation. I know it's, like, a really controversial topic. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, I haven't, the area I work in is not very diverse. I'm actually the only person mm. of color in my office. Mm. So the oh. clientele that I work with typically don't look mm. like me. Um, okay. But, um, yeah, I don't want to speak falsely on anything like that because I really, that's not my area of expertise. Right. But Absolutely. I do think it's, like, a really important part of, like, sexuality studies that should be studied and yeah. explored because it does significantly Absolutely. impact like a person's sexuality and their sexual expression and it's really mm-hmm. traumatic honestly um yeah. to have to go through that but then it's like how do you respect another person's culture because it's a cultural thing mm-hmm. but also yeah. validating like hey this is extremely traumatic and invasive for this person Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. Right. Because yeah. I imagine. So definitely something that would be, you know, a sex therapist mm-hmm. could be helpful yeah. in. And yeah. even maybe like a specialized someone that's worked mm-hmm. in that specific arena. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think there are like actual therapists who have like specialization in working particularly with people who have experienced like okay. genital mutilation, like female genital oh, mutilation. But yeah. yeah. That that's great to know. I didn't know that it was a specialty. I just figured it would be categorized under sexual trauma, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything that happens to down there traumatic <laughs> would all be right, the same, though, but it's, it's like not. In, it's more not that sexual trauma is less complex, mm-hmm. but it's increasingly complex that it, there's also a cultural yeah. component uh-huh. to yeah. it. You know, yeah. trying to balance that. Right. And you know, cuz if it's a sexual trauma I think a lot of sexual trauma might not necessarily have mm-hmm. a cultural component. Yeah. So trying to be respectful of yeah. that while still realizing the very real um, uh, effects of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, definitely an intricate balance with those type of cases, I would imagine. Um, right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. What are the most common um, reasons that clients do come to you and specifically want to do the sex therapy mm-hmm. work? So in, like, my field, a lot of people, again, are just dealing with a lot of sexual trauma. Um, Some people Mm -hmm. have had, like, um, sexual trauma from, or sexual abuse in childhood, and then, of course, like, sexual Mm -hmm. abuse um, in adulthood. So that's usually Mm -hmm. what I'm seeing a lot of. But for out of that realm, because, again, another kind of stigma is that people only go to sex therapy if they've experienced, like, some type of trauma. But sometimes it can be just a person wanting to actually learn how to explore their sexuality or, you know, learn different avenues of experiencing pleasure, things like that. So Uh there's really not a limit on why you go to a sex therapist. But if you're like, hey, you know what? I have this, like, sexuality thing. I think I want to go see a therapist about it. Then that is a... Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you and I'm oh, oh go ahead, Haley. I'm wondering too, you said that um like do you think a lot of times with your clients their goal might be more processing their trauma or mm-hmm. is it processing their trauma and um with the intention of being able to feel comfortable in sexual experiences in the future? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a little bit of both? Yeah, I think for some of them, it's a little bit of both. Um, Okay. And I think a big part of it is just learning how to process 
through it mm-hmm. uh, because again mm-hmm. a lot of them have like maybe even a lot of childhood sexual trauma so why they're mm-hmm. the reason why a person kind of gets into those type of abusive relationships usually is a pattern of behavior mm-hmm. that you see repeatedly over time so a lot Absolutely. of it is processing okay. through that and figuring that out um, mm-hmm. at least just for like the clientele that I work with yeah, yeah. that's huge that's yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> I have a boring question. Um, no such thing. Is, if, and this should probably be something that I know, but I don't. Uh, if you see a therapist, like a general therapist mm-hmm. that you're working on about XYZ, whatever, and then you want to see a sex therapist as well, is that double dipping, like with insurances, <laughs> billing? That, I don't, I, usually therapists, like, say... I went to you and was like, let's see, I'm having this sexual problem. He's like, well, that's out of my area. I'm going to refer right. you uh-huh. to a sex therapist. So I don't mm-hmm. think, because, like, maybe you can work, like, if you get, like, that release of information or, you know, whatever yeah, that's yeah, called, yeah. then you two can work together. It's like, hey, I'm working on these areas, and then they're working on, like, maybe that sexuality-type okay. area. Okay. That way you're not, you're, like, working towards the same therapeutic goal for this right. person. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but cool. I don't think that it's was double just, dipping. I, I like how you called it double dipping. I was like, I call it at my work. I don't know. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> That's similar what they tell us though. For for so I'm like a school based therapist. Mm-hmm. So they really don't want two therapists on a case because it could just yeah. be challenging. But if it's an, if it truly feels needed, they just say that we have to be addressing different goals. Yeah, sure. Um, in order for Medicaid or billing yeah. or whatever to not come down on us yeah. about that. But yeah, and I, I, um, I'd even thought before, like about the idea of like going to a sex therapist. I think in my last serious relationship, um, it's just so different. And I thought of, um, that relationship also when you were talking about the pickle jar, or pickle uh-huh. tub, when you're in a relationship where there's a difference in those needs mm-hmm. for physical connection mm-hmm. um so you know i was in a relationship where he just didn't want as much of that like physical touch mm-hmm, and for me that mm-hmm, felt really important mm-hmm. for like showing affection and love mm-hmm. and you know connection and all that kind of stuff so um yeah i i had even thought of it in the past going Lacey, have you ever considered going to sex therapy i thought about that. um i guess i don't know <laughs> i have definitely like toyed around with it Mm-hmm. Um, but it was something that we talked about in couples therapy a little bit, but yeah, truly, I mean, like I said, I didn't really trust our couples therapist, so I feel like uh-huh. it was, it was, it was stuff that, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't really consider that I had individual issues until Haley, mm-hmm. you said something. It's not like I thought I was issue free, but I wasn't yeah. like, oh, this is something that could literally relate directly to my yeah. sexual behavior mm-hmm. and so yeah. I, th- I think that's interesting yeah yeah we're always telling everyone to go to therapy and i think everyone to should therapy. go to therapy and i think everyone <laughs> I think should go too. to sex therapy too like why not go for it <laughs> i will say it wasn't until like adulthood did i have like a friend group that i felt open enough like really talking about sex and now that i have it i'm like thank god because i was raised pretty strict catholic mm-hmm. it was very much mm-hmm. like Oh, I also wanted to ask you this. Uh, Amani, did you have, um, like, a sex talk with your parents or the people that raised you? 
My mom swears up and down that we did, but I'm like, it clearly wasn't effective because I don't remember it at all. I was really trying to think about it. It's like, are you sure, mom? Because I remember the one in school. Like, I remember they separate the boys and the girls and they give you pads yeah. and stuff yeah that's basically yeah. what it was Seriously. so they gave them condoms and us pads yeah. and then they sent us on our way like, oh my good God. luck you got this <laughs> so yeah Lacey, did your parents give you a sex talk oh no my, my parents gave me a book from the 70s oh no that, i can only imagine what that looked like it's oh my god it was just this girl okay because i never read it and i swear to you that it remained what i got it when my parents were still married so it must have been like third fourth grade Aww. third grade uh-huh. and um my mom just like gave it to me and it sat in this sh- like built-in shelf on this counter between the the dining room and the kitchen until my dad moved out two years ago wow. and it was just this girl like this little white girl and she's just like on the cover <laughs> like like making one of those <laughs> listeners if you want to <laughs> imagine it's like one of those i she was making like puppy dog eyes at nothing but it wasn't like it was just really weird she looked so sad and i was like damn girl Aww. but it was i think about periods i don't know i, n- I never read it uh but oh i think God. it was about so periods and sex gave it to you and said like here you go, here you go. good luck yeah. <laughs> I have not asked since then if my mom ever taught me about sex. Like, I think that she, I don't know, she would, like, allude to stuff. And I, looking back, I just always got the completely wrong message that she was trying to send. (laughs) And I would be like, oh, I know what you're talking about. And then it was just totally wrong. But I don't think that she ever overtly talked about sex. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I did not get one either. And I think, I think, I don't know if my parents just thought that, like, the whole, like, you know, you'll die and go to hell, and mm. you know it's the biggest sin. Would be like the only no, which wasn't what they said. Oh, they just that's thought that the... would scare you out of it or something. Well, that's the message of the Catholic Church. Oh. It's like the biggest sin. You go to hell if you have sex before marriage. Yeah, like, I was also yeah. Catholic, so, like, but I didn't listen. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was just the thing that really caught my attention. I'm like, whoa, okay. Um, but I, I wonder if it's different for guys. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if we're boys get the sex talk than girls i feel I like know. they don't either because men don't navigate really? sexuality yeah. any better <laughs> like they're pretty awful yeah. oh yeah <laughs> like yeah. very rarely very do so. you meet so yeah. i guess that was a little not politically correct to say that but uh, listen <laughs> i hate <laughs> men okay i hate them <laughs> why do you live <laughs> no i like i like and love individual men but men as a concept no yeah they're pretty awful i'm sorry <laughs> it's like white people as a concept no yeah we suck yeah. like no <laughs> But yeah, I I I feel like people just assume that guys are gonna be like, one day I touched my penis and then I took six showers a day. Like it's like no, they probably still don't know what's going on. They're just like, what the fuck? This is cool. What's that? I've like asked guys questions, and I remember I think this was probably more so like when I was in high school. I just like wanted to understand like what was like actually happening when the boner like happens, mm. and they would just be like, I don't know. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like they don't you even know what's know happening. Like, it, they're like, I think it's blood or something. I'm like, okay, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. 
like try to encourage parents to like talk to their kids about like yeah. sex and be open is like wouldn't you rather them have the right information than just like the rumors that you talk to yeah. your friends about yeah. like because uh-huh. then that's what they think sex oh is. my god wouldn't I... you rather give them like the facts yeah i remember <gasps> the first time i learned about sex i just remembered <gasps> I oh don't gosh. know how old I was, maybe like 10, maybe uh-huh. younger than that. I had a friend named Alex that was babysat by my aunt, and I would always go to my aunt and cousin's house in the summer, and they would just watch us all day, and we would have fun. <laughs> and I was at my aunt's house, and Alex, my friend who was two years older than us, than me, was sick. And so I hung out with her older sister, Samantha. And Samantha mm. was like 14 or 15. Mm. And so I hung out with her all day, and she was telling me about some music video with like naked ladies oh and God. stuff. And then she taught me what sex was, except in my brain, <laughs> I literally thought sex was like people getting naked and just like laying on top of each other. Like I didn't think <laughs> anything about. Anything entered anywhere no. or anything? No, I just no. thought that they were like, oh, we're naked. <laughs> together oh my gosh i'm sure i could have asked her more questions but she thought it was self-explanatory i guess (laughs) i was like it's just amazing how many things get like debunked as we actually have like sexual experiences yes oh that's not what i thought it was okay yeah i feel like there's still a bunch of shit i don't know but for sure for sure Especially when we get together, like, in our friend group, Imani, and, like, we're, like, talking about things. Like, sometimes a word will come up and be like, what is that? <laughs> and, like, we're all sitting there, like, do you know what that is? I don't remember the most recent one, but I know it happened recently. We were just, like, it was, I was, like, I have never heard of that word. I think it was cunnilingus. Oh. Which is, what is, do you know what that means? what it is i knew what it was and brie knew what it was but you and kenzie did not know what is cuddling is imani tell us cuddling is is referring to like oral like oral sex Uh i think they're like fellatios for men and i think cuddling is referring to like uh what yes like female oral oh you forgot already we told you this Just like I, I, I don't know. I've literally never heard of yeah. it. Never. It's a weird little word like, that people probably are like weird. It sounds like a like word that should be a doctor Seuss. Like, like calamari or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get the cuddlingus with extra sauce? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, no, you would totally order that at a fancy restaurant. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I dare someone to. <laughs> Give me cunnilingus on a plate, please. <laughs> One time in uh, in high school, these guys in my study hall convinced this girl in my study hall that you could go to Chipotle and ask for a chode, and it was like a secret burrito. Wait, oh, what is she? What's did it called? She did it. Oh, no. no, she did it. That's Isn't so that sad. sad? I didn't hear about it until afterwards. Maybe I would have done something. <laughs> Terrible. Maybe. Kids are awful. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Those little stinkers. Yeah, they are stinkers. (laughs) We are nearing the end of our time together. Imani, tell us what you do for like fun and shit. What do you like to do for self care? I always dread this question because I feel like such a hypocrite. You know, we tell our clients, like, make sure you take care of yourself this week. And I'm Uh like, I have no idea what I do to take care. Yeah. I've been going on walks though. The weather's getting better oh. here, so I usually at least mm. try to get a thirty-minute walk in just to get like 
because I'm inside all day and it makes me literally feel like a brand new person when I go for a walk. Oh, that's lovely. So that's become part of my self-care routine is trying to get some sunshine and some fresh air. Okay. Have you had to go um like virtual for your sessions during COVID? I did. Or have you been able to work in person? Yeah. We had a lot of um COVID outbreaks at my job and people that oh, work no. there anti-mask were they all got sick so now they wear the mask but before they're <laughs> anti-maskers. So next job. Yeah. Luckily nobody died. I know. <laughs> So I switched all my clients to virtual because I'm like, okay, we've had four breakouts in like two weeks and no one's still wearing a mask. Oh my God. Yeah, that would be scary. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I just personally, ethically, I feel like I can't be responsible if they got sick. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Are you back yet or are you still at home? I'm working partially. So like part of the week I'm in the office and the other part I'm at home. So I'm gonna miss. I like working from home. It's like you just kind of wake up, you know, hop out of bed, yeah, jaunt on over to the computer. Yeah. I hated it. Ugh. Oh, really? I love I just, it. I had a really hard time. I think, I'm wondering if it's different for adults. It it might be a much. I'm sure it's a much different experience <laughs> for you, but. I just had such a hard time transitioning to being a virtual therapist of children. That yeah, kudos to you. It was brutal. I have yeah, no it sounds idea. horrible. I was. I, I sent a picture the other day of playing cup pong oh, with one of my kids so uh, on, uh, through iMessage. Oh, so adorable. I was like, I, love I mean, it. they're like failing as a therapist. Or no, thinking, you're obviously I'm winning. <laughs> pong with a child. It's fine. But this is therapy. <laughs> so I love it. I call it therapeutic. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being a guest. Yes, this is I so know. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you both for having me. I enjoy getting to be part of your space. I appreciate you making it a safe space. I feel like sometimes in professional settings, it's like hard to feel safe, I guess. So thank you for making me feel safe to (gasps) be able to share and talk to you. We just appreciate like your, I mean, something we always talk about the podcast is wanting more perspectives. And Mm -hmm. I think that sex in general is something there's still a lot of shame over. So we just always want to make it. Um, like most things we talk about, something that people feel comfortable mm-hmm. being able to ask questions and share their experiences and just feel validated in that. So we're just glad to be able to um, to have you so that our guests can probably do a lot of like just internal stuff too. Aww. Like, oh, yeah, maybe... Maybe I do have some, something yeah. going on that, you know. Be helpful. like me on this podcast and figure out while listening to this podcast. Like, oh, <laughs> you've got having some a lot of self-revelations. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And thank you for doing this for people. Like, you are mm-hmm. such a rare, I think, you you create a safe space. You're such a rare mm-hmm. person that they can go to mm-hmm. with their most vulnerable and often mm-hmm. shame-filled filled feelings and mm-hmm. be able to converse and process those so you're doing great thank you so much Mm. you guys are all superheroes because we're all therapists especially in covid times that's right we fucking rock we rock yeah Yeah, we're pretty (laughs) awesome (laughs) um if you want to get a hold of us and either uh suggest a topic that you want us to go over um, I feel like I'm running out of friends. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I do have Listen, people that I want to ask, but, like, I'm also, like... Lacey's very, very connected. I appreciate it. I was thinking today that we should do... Because um, there was someone I went to grad school with that um, she... I think she's in the therapy... I think she's a therapist mm-hmm. now. Um, but she... Um, 
I know she has, like, a social media platform that she's building around um, mental health in the black community. Oh, that's dope. And we did, we did our episode on, like, the intersection of black and blue, because I have a, a friend, a good friend of mine, who's black and he's also a police officer, mm. but I think it'd be really good to have her. So yes. I have to her since grad school, we'd be like, hey, do you want to be So that would be a good one, too, for us to, we definitely need to make sure we're um, representing other experiences so right that's, that's awesome yeah we should definitely yeah. do that yeah um but if you want to hear anything specific email us at free association the podcast at gmail.com also we have an instagram it is free association the podcast mm-hmm. that's where we're present so you should go right there. let's not even plug the pinterest and <laughs> no. the twitter i haven't no. like no, no. we don't, we don't do it's that fine. anymore <laughs> um <laughs> thank you and goodbye everybody Bye. goodbye thank you everybody <laughs>